Welcome to the OA Lighted Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Allison. Yay! Hi, my name is Allison. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Allison. And it looks like we have a lot of time, so I'll speak very slowly. <laughs> Give myself some time to think before I speak, which is not a practice I typically engage. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for asking me, Miss Susan. I just said yes. Of course, were, I had a lot of voices in my head telling me that you know, I was way too busy. And, oh, I'm from the San Fernando Valley. Welcome. It's a long way away. <laughs> it can be, depending on traffic. But um, I feel like I'm visiting from another area. So uh, thank you for asking me to, to speak. Susan called me. And she said to me four times, four times, don't swear. Do I look like I was swearing? Do I look like, look, I'm wearing pearl buttons. Do I look like I'm kind of going to swear? Apparently, when I'm not thinking, when I'm speaking, I might do that. So, so there that is. Uh, I want to say that you are all really beautiful and young. And I see some awesome shoes out there. One of the newcomers had gold sandals. So anyway, I have 30 minutes. I can say whatever I want. (laughs) I want to welcome the newcomers and say you are so welcome here. Just keep coming back. I remember when I first walked in, I didn't understand anything that anybody was saying. I had no experience with the 12-step program, and I just kept hearing people say, oh, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, just keep coming back. And I thought, well... Isn't anybody going to explain anything? Well, I didn't know. You know, I had this roar in my head that nobody could explain anything to me because for the past 45 years, people probably have been trying to explain things to me. And I have a disease that really prevents that um, understanding and enlightenment. That's the last thing my disease wants is for me to be enlightened. Epiphany is like mm, the, the enemy of my disease. So keep coming back. Happy birthday. Congratulations to the chip takers. You probably don't realize how lovely you sound. You you probably don't realize how sane you sound. And um, I'm just so grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Salome, I I really appreciate what you said. I'm so proud to stand up here. The truth is that I think I do everything wrong, and I'm kind of ashamed. It's like I'm so imperfect, and I feel really bad about that. That's kind of how it is. But here's, here's the other truth, that one day at a time, I am maintaining an abstinence, I'm so grateful, Um, for 12 years I've been perfectly abstinent and I'm maintaining a weight loss of 110 pounds. I'm not going up and down and up and down and you hit me on a good month. I'm maintaining that weight loss and I, but I'm, but I'm sick, right? I'm really aware that I'm sick. I have a disease. I so badly want to be like normal people. I'm not like normal people. I don't think like normal people. I just don't. And when I surrender to that, when I admit complete defeat, 
my life goes a lot smoother. Um, this morning, I got on the scale, and I get on the scale every Saturday morning, and I weighed 152 pounds. And I was so disappointed because I really wanted to weigh 150. So that's insanity. Like, there's the definition right there. What is wrong with 152 pounds? Nothing. I'm 5'10". 152 pounds. I'm 58 years old. And I wear a size 10 tall, maybe an 8. What is wrong with that? That's all right. Everything is right about that. It's my head, right? It's my thinking that is the problem. And I really wanted to weigh 150. Unreasonable expectation. So I I got to just shoot that right up, you know. And that's what I try to do in my program is seek the truth. What's the truth? Is the truth is that I'm at a healthy body weight and I weighed 152 last week and the week before. Okay. <laughs> right? That's my thinking that gets me into trouble. So, so there's that. I have no idea how I'm going to fill up this time. And, and I just pray to God right now. Okay, everybody, just pray to God. That I, <laughs> because I feel like... I feel like I have nothing to say. I feel like I have nothing to offer. But then I hear somebody like our, our birthday girl who says, be confident, stand tall. You know, 12 years maintaining a healthy body weight, walking through this program one day at a time, staying abstinent. I look at my food today. My food was so squeaky clean today. It was insane. That's a miracle. And that because I come to Overeaters Anonymous. So, okay, what do I want to say? I came in to the program when I was 45 years old, and again, I was, uh, it was 2003, and I had never been to a 12-step program. Somebody Eskimoed me in. I, I couldn't make any sense out of it, and I just visited for a while. I had a couple of meetings that I went to, and I sat in the back, and I didn't participate much, and I just kind of sat around until I was ready to, to jump in the pool and get my hair wet. And that's kind of how I saw it. I, I just got to a point where I understood that I was really suffering, that I was sick, that I had a disease, and it was in my head. And that 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 fine day, I, I don't know, it was a Saturday, and, and I asked somebody to be my sponsor, and she, she really didn't want to be my sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> she said, just call me. Well, first she said, well, what are you willing to do? I said, Anything. And she said, Are you willing to eat just three meals a day? I said, I can. How about one snack? No. <laughs> How about three meals and two snacks a day? Okay, okay, okay. Are you willing to only weigh yourself once a month? <laughs> I can't do that. Okay, how about once a week? Okay, I can do that. So really, I wasn't willing to do anything. <laughs> but, but, you know, she was, she was very kind and very generous, and so she gave me this. And that's still my, my abstinence today is three meals, two snacks, no recreational sugar, no deep fried food. Recreational sugar, um, I know a lot of people will say, well, so, like condiments, some condiments or salad dressings or barbecue sauce. I love that T-shirt back there that says "Summer Fun and Barbecue" because you know I saw that. Um, <laughs> I see, I see things in my eyes. I hear things. I, I am a, I'm a compulsive overeater. I see those signals. I, 
big billboard with a box of C's candy on it. <sighs> My head just twits. I like missed the light. <laughs> How about that? Or we, you know, there's like a truck. There's a, a Lay's potato chip truck. As I'm driving down the freeway, I seriously. It's over here, like back behind me, but I see it in my rearview mirror. I'm like, whoa, it's potato chips. And then the oral wheat also, you can see the bread on the skin. You can see like the oats, the pieces of oat in there. That's how I see food. It's an experience. It's not just like a little random, oh, we're just going to go eat. Oh, no. Like, it's a big deal, food. So, uh, Okay. So Susan asked me to speak, and the first thing I said was no. My name is no. She said, uh, <laughs> in my head, I said no. And then I said, she said the date, the 25th, and I said yes. And I said yes because my higher power let me look at the cat. I think I looked at my calendar, and I said, oh, you know, the next day I'm leaving on vacation for a week to be with my mother, my sister, and my daughter in Maui. Mm. Maybe I need to go in and recommit to my program in front of all my fellows and tell you a little bit about that dynamic and what I'm in store for and how that's going to trigger me and what I'm going to do and bring and say and eat while I'm there so that I'm not white-knuckling through a week in Maui, right? I mean, that's the last thing that I want to do, and it's I'm not... You know, I know some people, like my sponsor, who would say, I'm just going to go and have a fabulous time. Okay, okay, good for you. That's not how it's going to work for me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fret and stew and think about it. And then I'll probably remember to pray and work my program. And I'll have a better, it's going to be one day at a time. I find that, okay, I don't know what to tell you first. Okay. I still, 12 years, still a compulsive overeater. I love, uh, and I work the steps. I'm actually back in uh, the 12 and 12, the AA 12 and 12, because I'm always reading something from program. I work my program every day. So I'm just going to tell you what I do, kind of what I'm doing in my program, and then I can tell you about what happened last night when Ken Appleby, the co-worker, was late to dinner. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow when I'm going with my sister and my mother and my daughter. I'm going to tell you about today when my husband came in with extra plans. Like, it's me. (laughs) That's the problem. It's me. I'm the one having all the problems with all these people who love me. It's me because it's all up here in my head. It's all about me. And and I have to work to – I can't secure it. You know what I mean? I mean, I I have to work to dumb down the roar in my head that will come when I'm self-centered and self-focused. And that's how I wake up every day. I want to be, it's all about me. And I have to reset my default so that I'm thinking about other people. So uh, every day, really, if I work my program, if I use those tools before I leave the house, I have a really good chance of being abstinent. It's that simple. If I get up in the morning in a disciplined way and make a disciplined food plan and sit down with my books and my meditation and have a quiet space and I read and I pray and I write and I meditate so that I can feel what, what my higher power has to say to me, I call my sponsor, I commit my food, 
if I'm going to be out, I pack it up and I bring it with me. I have a ton of little bags. and You know, I am the robot I didn't want to be when I first walked into program. And that's the truth. I thought, I am not going to be one of those little kitties who brings their lunch with them. Oh, no, I'm that little kitty who brings breakfast, lunch, and dinner with her because it's just easier. It's just better for me. It's easier in my head. It's quieter in my head if I'm eating in a disciplined way. I find that in life, cash, calories, and calendar, those three areas, if I'm willing to be disciplined and accountable in my cash, my calendar, and my calories, there's really no roar in my head. But no, (laughs) no, call me drama. Because I just get a little hair up my, you know what, I think, I'm just going to go to Macy's. And I run off and, you know, so there goes the cash. Or I think, it's a special occasion. Or, well, let's have everybody over here. Or I'm just going to order something from Stonefire Grill. I mean, and, and then I'm not, I'm not measured and accountable. And it's not to say that that's not abstinent. That's still very abstinent but it's not measured and accountable in accordance with my goal weight. So that's how, for me, that's what I try to be honest about. You know, I'd love to say, yeah, that's what I do. I just, I work these steps really hard every day. And, and so I'm just 100% with, I can't, I can't say that. And maybe the lesson from the last probably five years um, has been that I am really imperfect and I feel bad about it. And that's a shame because my disease, that's exactly where my disease wants me. Certainly isn't where my higher power wants me. But for me, a lot of shame recovery. So guess how I discovered all that shame? Mmm. Mmm. My mother-in-law moved in with us. So bad, you guys. It was so bad. It was so bad. And I did not act like a saint. I did things. I said things. I'm not going to swear. <laughs> I told her, get out of my... Right? So, uh, yeah, I... I, uh, I didn't owe an amends. You know, I worked my program. I didn't gain a pound. I didn't owe an amends. She passed away last year. It's been a year. We're dealing with her estate. There's just... Life happens. And, of course, my disease tells me that I'm doing it all wrong that I'm never going to get through this, that if I eat a certain food, it's going to make me feel better. Okay, so that's enough of that. I have to tell you that last night, Ken, my coworker, was late to the party for Colleen's retirement. It was Colleen's retirement, and the party was at five. Like, old people have parties at five, but anyway. <laughs> party was at five. I think, I think they just planned that because then we could leave work early, you know, at 4.30. So, um, I looked early. I actually went to Trader Joe's beforehand because I had a feeling that they were going to, everybody else, you know, they're normal. They drink. They drink and they have guacamole and chips and all that kind of stuff, like crack. And I don't, you know, there's a reason there's no, no deep fried foods. I don't eat deep fried foods. Tell, remind me to tell you about my Jack in the Box story. So I, crack. So I can theoretically, I can eat guacamole because it's not, deep fried, and it's not recreational sugar, right? 
I mean, that should be fine. I can eat guacamole, but I can't stop eating guacamole. I can't stop eating hummus. I can't, oh my gosh. Oh, and I want to tell you what my mom eats too. See, I like to take everybody's food inventory. I love watching people eat. I'm still a compulsive overeater, you know, but I work my program and I eat my food and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so happy to be abstinent. It really, it's funny. I mean, I, I observe these things, but I don't want them. The obsession truly has been lifted. But anyway, when Ken was really, really late, and I was a little bit irritated about that. But I sent to Trader Joe's, and I got some carrots and some of that little garlic mustard. And I called my sponsor, and I told her this is going to be my snack. That's how I was able to, um, you know, the truth is I probably could have sat through three hours of people drinking and eating guacamole, but I don't know that I would have been my very best and engaged self. I probably would have been, I was already resenting him for being late. Can you imagine if I was hungry? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I probably would have started, don't you know I need to eat? And walk, you know. So I didn't have to do that because I, I just overreact to everything. I'm so dramatic and I'm so sensitive. Like I see things and I hear things and I feel things and I heard somebody say once that, you know, being in recovery, whether it's with food or with any other substance, it's like we're walking through a briar patch without a shell. You know, it's like we just have no defense and we're walking through this really scratchy place and eventually, you know, you're like, how do I get on this briar patch? Like, what am I doing here? I'm doing it, but it's really uncomfortable. And, and so um, that was a way that I could get through that circumstance. So here's, here's what we're doing tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to, we're going to Maui for a week. And I'm... I have to tell you, I didn't have much of a relationship with my mom and my sister before I came into program. And my daughter, um, she's 25. I won't tell you how old my sister is. I do um, But, um, I, I mean, it, it's really, it is about the food. It is about the food. because, And it is about maintaining a healthy body weight. That, for me, is a real indicator of my sanity. But you can see. We're not there yet. We haven't arrived at sanity yet. Um, but there's... <laughs> I'm so happy. It gets a little crazy. It's like, I'm crazy, but I'm happy. Isn't there a song by Alanis Morissette about that? You know, it's like, but I'm happy. So um, <laughs> here's how my mom eats. I swear to Grandpa. So she'll eat breakfast at like mm, 9 or 10, and typically she has, I'm not lying to you, she has like six slices of bread and a cube of butter, good butter, like from Italy, she likes, or Ireland, she likes, she likes the good stuff, she's a butter snob. <laughs> so she eats that, sometimes she'll have eight pieces of bread, I, I'm not lying to you, and then... Sometime in the afternoon, not necessarily lunchtime, she'll usually have, like, ice cream. She loves ice cream. And she's skinny. Like, she's normal. She's kicking. And then for uh, at about 4 o'clock, they bring out cheese and salami and olives, and they start drinking. And so they're so cute. They're like, yeah, we'll make the fish, and you bring the salad and the vegetables. I'm like, okay. And then there I am, at, you know, seven o'clock and everybody's all passed out and I'm there I have all my vegetables and my pasta anyway. So that that's typical and I have to be in acceptance about that. And the truth is I was thinking today, I had a little epiphany, well you know nobody there changes their plans because of me. 
Nobody, nobody there says, oh, well, Allison only needs to eat three meals a day of very healthy food, so let's change our plans to accommodate her. No, they don't say that. So why would I say, oh, well, I just need to change the way I eat, and maybe I can just throw, you know, a little salami and cheese, because really salami and cheese is okay. Okay. Well, you know, maybe I could just, uh, um, it is easier to bring my lunchbox and my little Amazon ice bags and just take whatever I need with me wherever I go. And you know what? It's 12, 31 o'clock. Okay, sister, I'm going to eat now. I, I have no other answer. That just seems to be the easiest, simplest thing to do because I so want to be like other people. I really want to just fit in. I don't fit in. I've never fit in. Ever since I was a kid, I don't fit in. When I was a kid, and I'm 58, so, you know, we're talking about I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and it was a very different culture. And, you know, kids were... They weren't options for my parents. Like, if you were in love, you had children. That's kind of how it worked. They didn't have a whole lot of options in between. So, um, so they were like, go outside and play. Change into, your, change into your play clothes. Go outside and play. And so we were outside playing. We were, you know, active. And I like to read a lot. But, um, you know, we were outside and playing. And now we see how many of our children are obese and because, of course, we're inside and we're doing things on the inside and it's just a very different world. But So when I was a kid, I was chubby. I was a chubby kid. I look at pictures and I think, you know, first of all, I was big. I'm tall. So I was a big kid, but I was always maybe 10 or 15 pounds overweight for a kid. And they used to call me Big Al. So harsh, right? And that was in my head. I did not fit in. Like, I had a couple of friends. I had a few friends and, and we grew up in the same neighborhood. But, I mean... I just always felt apart up from. I just never felt like I fit in. Um, do you, really? <laughs> wow. Okay. So I just want to. I just. I'm gonna just kind of wrap it up and say that um, when I walked in the doors of. Oh, see, I can't. I can just talk forever about me. Uh, when I walked into the doors of OA, I didn't have a plan. All my life, I had lived without any solution. I just, I stuck around and I, and I came to believe and came to understand that my best solution was diet pills. I just had this voracious appetite and I just, I ate all the time. I ate. Mexican food, I ate donuts, I ate huge amounts of chips, and, and I, that was really what I was doing was just from work to home, stopping on the way, buying, you know, a, a dozen, I just didn't have any solution other than uh, laxatives and diet pills, and I would take off a ton of weight, and then there would be a family intervention. My husband, my kids, my mom, they would say, you have to stop. You can't, you know, I'd be doubling up on the pills, and I'd be, I, the irony is I don't think I was ever this thin, you know, when that was happening, but I was crazy. That That's the, really the problem. It was my, I was just crazy, and I was up all night, and I was out of control, and I didn't understand until I walked into these rooms that I'm just not like other people. I have a disease in my head. I am the problem. My thinking isn't straight when it comes to food, as evidenced. I can't get through 
a day on a fly. I can't fly. Not a fly girl. I have to have a plan. I have to have help. I need you guys, right? I need to make, I make telephone calls. I get up in the morning. I work this program. I ask God to please help me. I, I have at least a level of recovery where I, I hear the roar in my head, right? Like there are some days when I'm mad at Ken because he was late and why are they all eating guacamole? Because it's always about me. It's like, don't they know I don't eat? No, they don't know why I don't eat guacamole. Everybody eats guacamole. I'm the problem. I hear the roar and I know the answer, right? If I can, if I can keep my food clean enough that I hear that roar before I forget about God. As long as, I, as long as I hear the roar and I remember, I have to turn it over to God. God, you have to help me with this. God, you have to help me with this. I just open my, I just lift up my eyes and lift up my hands and say, you just have to take this. I mean, there comes a point where I, I'm, just, I'm spinning in my head. I'm like, whoa. I stop. I'm like, God, you have to take this from me. And I just literally step back. I just like, I hand it up. And I just step back. This, this is driving me insane. I have so many wonderful things in my life right now. So many big plans out in the future. Like there's a one-year plan at work. And there's a six-month plan at home. And there's just uh, the tomorrow plan to go to Maui. In September, there's the Boston Away Conference, right? I mean, I have so many wonderful things to look forward to. And I'm healthy and I'm happy. And yet, I still, oh, Okay, you're going to have to take this. I still run into my head. It still comes in, and I find that the more I work this program, the more disciplined I am about about working the program, the less voices I hear. But, but the truth is also that there has to be some grace with it. Like, I can't live without that grace. I can't live without being able to make a mistake, because I make mistakes. I don't do it perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. I think when I first started program, my expectation was that when I was 12 years abstinent, man, I would I would have it down. And I guess, objectively speaking, you could say I have it down, right? 12 years maintaining 110 pound weight loss. That's pretty awesome. But it's a, it's one day. It's just today, Saturday, is the day that apparently I'm 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 okay. I'm okay. So pray for me tomorrow. Because I'm sure they'll be drinking Bloody Marys at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Pray for me. So anyway, I, I'll just quit now. Is that okay? Oh, I'm going to stop now. That's Thank you for that. Questions? Oh, please. Uh, tell us your Jack in the Box story, please. Oh, the question was, tell us your Jack in the Box story. Okay, I'm just going to tell you how I used to how I used to visit Jack in the Box because I love Jack in the Box. Number one, I love it because I don't ever have to get out of the car. I like that, and they have a whole lot of deep fried foods, right? Like I love, I like their monster tacos, but I like their regular tacos too. Either two for ninety nine or one for ninety nine. It doesn't matter. And I love that meat in there, that undefinable meat. I'm not quite sure what that is. And I'm sure that's Velveeta in there. And, of course, they deep fry those tacos. So often they have specials, like two for 99. So I swear to you, I can eat a dozen tacos. That is no problem. I can, I can eat more probably. But um, that's really where I would go. I would So I would say I'll have a dozen tacos and a large order of the spring rolls. Those are deep fried too, right? The large order. And... I'll have a double jumbo jack, no lettuce, because lettuce gets in the way, (laughs) and a Diet Coke. (laughs) 
And so I would pull up, and I would, I would have my seat next to me. And so she'd give me the bag, and I would just, so I'd pay, and I'd, I'd pull up like 10 feet, right? Just in, And I'd open the bag, and I'd put all the tacos out and the spring rolls and lay them out because they're hot, right? And I like to eat when I drive. That's why I got the burger. So I can eat the burger while the tacos are cooling off. <laughs> and then I would go home and cook dinner. That's how I used to eat. Yeah, please. Thank you so much. Um, what was your relationship with your higher power when you first came into the program, and what was your progression? That's a great program? question. What was my relationship like with my higher power when I came into program, and how has that progressed? How has that progressed? Thank you. Um, when I came into program, I had a higher power. I was on the board at my church, and I knew everything. I knew all the scriptures, and I knew where to find them, and I knew well what it said about anything, and I knew what people's problems were and how they could fix it, and I was an expert at religion. I prayed every morning, and I thanked God for my diet pills. I said, God, thank you for this bifetamine. I did. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee and speed and, um, you know, cigarettes. Because I smoke, too. I thank you, God. It lets me have a normal life. So, as I progress... I, so, it progressed in, that's interesting, you know, at first I think a lot of my hesitancy, a lot of my reluctance in in joining OA was I felt like maybe it was um, a different religion, or that it was in somehow a a conflict, it was, that I would be conflicted, but that wasn't, it's just not like that at all, my higher power happens to be my own God, and my relationship has changed I, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell you, but I'm a little embarrassed to tell you that I'm not really a regular church attender anymore. But I am. I do. I do read up a, a lot of different scriptures. I have my own, you know, scripture studies. I still am in contact with my God every day. My daughter is in the seminary, you know, so she. I hey, you do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. I was talking to to my friend this morning. And I said, you know, I just think, my God, you know, we have these guidelines, and I think they show me how to live a happy life, but I think that my God is so kind and gentle. He says, you know, it's just none of your business. Why don't you just just have a good day? It's none of your business. And I'm all worried about how they're going to eat and and what they're going to say. And and it's like, oh, honey, just why are you worried about them? Just worry about yourself. Go, Go live a good life. Try not to do that. I mean, he just doesn't expect that I'm going to be perfect. And that's really what I'm trying to find is that grace, you know, to, to, to be able to go to God when I know I really, I'm not going to swear, when I really messed up, and when I really have a problem. When my mother-in-law was living with us, I just cried. I just wailed. I said, I can't believe that you're letting me feel like this. I was so filled with self-pity. It was painful. Like, I could see every morning. I'd get up and I'd go out on the front porch. There she was, like a gypsy, camped out on my front porch. I was so burdened by my self-pity. And I'm like, I just take it away. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Take it away. He's like, 
Apparently not. I like you with that. I like you with the awareness of your self-pity. I like you walking around with that big old thorn in your side. And so I really, I really just learned, you know, I worked my program and I made my amends and I got my writing out and I, I just took care of one day at a time, staying abstinent and making it the most important thing without exception. And, um, you know, that's the hope for tomorrow. So pray for me tomorrow. Thank you for letting me show.